98FM's Now That's What I Call Sport Podcast. Hey, it's Jamie Moore. You're welcome to the Aviva Stadium. It's a freezing cold day in Dublin, but thankfully we're getting ready for Euro 2020, which is just around 500 days away now, and the FAI have launched the Euro 2020 volunteer programme. One of the ambassadors is former Ireland star and P-Man player Anya O'Gorman. 100 caps for a country. Anya, how are you? I'm good, and yourself? Bit cold. I'm yes, right. Anya has been just outside doing a photo <laughs> shoot, and uh, it's about two degrees. I'm in here in a warm FAI coaches box, which is lovely. So the FAI are basically asking people to help volunteer for the Euros in you know, a little while and, and hopefully our boys in green will be playing in it but there'll be loads of volunteers no matter what because there's going to be four games in Dublin. Yeah, I think it's a really, really good opportunity for people to get out and get up close and personal involved in the games and meet new people and be involved in a historic event that will be held in our country. We always want to hold big events so um, it'd be great now if people can give their time back and, and volunteer. So you were born in May 89, correct? Yeah. I'm a June 89 baby myself so we're about 29 <laughs> but you've retired from Not international football. Yet. Not 30 yet, thank God. <laughs> My mother keeps reminding me you're 30 this year. I know, I know yeah. that. Thanks, Mum. But 29, 100 Ireland caps, your, your last cap against, uh, I think, Norway in a World Cup yeah. qualifier last year. Unfortunately, Ireland didn't make it. Why retire when you're still young? Um, I don't know. I think I've been playing since I was 16. So um, I got my 100 cap, did a lot of years of dedication, and, and I enjoyed every minute of playing. So it um, just felt like me. It was the, just the right time to to call, call it the day and um, now I'm turning and coach, focusing on my coaching badge and still really enjoying my club football at Piedmont. Yeah, how was that last game when, you know, every, it was, it was I think it was known or at least known certainly by a lot of people that you were going to retire and it was going to be your 100 cap and it was a game that didn't matter in the grand scheme of things because we couldn't make the playoffs unfortunately but how were your emotions before, during, after and now that you've had a little bit of time to kind of look back on it? Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a bit of a roller coaster emotions. I think at the time you're just focused on the game and getting through the game, and it's your hundred cap, but you're trying to just stay focused on the game and not distract you that from from playing for your team and and getting a result on the day. So, I think now I look back and and I think yeah, hundred caps is a, a really really good achievement. Um, probably will miss playing a little bit, but now I'm focusing on other things in my life. And um, I think when as I get older, I'll probably look back more at the gold cap and uh, and think it was a massive honour. So bring us back to you're 16 years old and you're called up to the senior squad for the first time. I think for like a pre-season friendly tournament and you, you made your, your debut and you've been involved ever since. Yeah, I think um, I was 16 and there was a squad. It was going to the Algarve Cup out in um, the Algarve and there was 20, 20, 22 players maybe involved and I think someone got injured. So uh, I got the call up from Noel King to go and obviously I jumped at it, jumped on the plane, couldn't wait to get going um, so um, that was a massive opportunity, a massive learning experience for me. It t- I think it was the year after that that I um, actually got a few minutes against Denmark in the same tournament. So um, since uh, it, it was a massive experience and just looking back now, like all them years, um, some great memories, some great friends. So That was 2006, I think, which is you would probably still have been in school then, were you? Yeah, I was in school. Um, so uh, I missed quite a lot of school in fifth and sixth year. Like I think it was 12, at least 12 weeks in total. But I think that actually helped me with my studies at the time because when I was there, I focused and, and worked a little bit harder. I actually got better at school as I got older. So I was a bit of a, a messer when I started out. But then you learn to realise that uh, it is important and it gets you places in life. Yeah, I know everyone says, you know, when they make their Ireland debut, they didn't foresee it having 100 caps or playing in Euro qualifiers, playing in World Cup qualifiers, you know, being a role model to thousands of young kids around the country. When did you start to realise that I'm actually quite good at football here and I think I've got a good number of years, you know, for Ireland in me? Yeah, I think um, you take every game in your stride when you're when you're younger and it's a great opportunity and it's like a dream. You're living the dream and it, and it comes true. And I think then probably as you, 
you get older, you start to appreciate it a little bit more and um, and, and relish every moment of, of playing for your country. And I suppose when you start turning 50 caps and when you're still quite young, then maybe you think you can, can get to them landmarks. You were playing here in Ireland in, in the Women's National League as well. Um, and a move to the UK became a possibility. I think you'd had like 50 caps or something by then. Talk to us about the, the, you know, your original times here in, in the Women's National League and then the move across to Doncaster. Yeah, so I was playing with P-Mount here in the, um, in the it was a Dublin, it was the Dublin League, I hadn't turned to the Women's okay, National okay. League. So I'd just gone to Doncaster the year that the Women's National League started. So we just won the FAI Cup. So that meant we were going to play in Europe. So I went over and played in Doncaster for the season and the break was on when the qualifiers against PSG. So I came back and I uh, was fortunate enough to be able to, to partake in them as well. And then went back to Doncaster again for another season and then came back and played in P-Mount in the, the Women's National League. So uh, I wasn't involved the year that they won the, the title. So hopefully this year. Yeah, of course. And, you know, it was an interesting story around that time because you were playing football. I think you scored a hat-trick won the FAI Cup Finals at Talca Park mm-hmm. for P-Mount back in 2010. And then you were also playing GA and you won a Wicklow football title with Wicklow, obviously, um, with the... Bray Emmett's club yeah. and then the move to Doncaster happened quite soon after so you, you were playing two sports at a serious level and then you went over to play in England while still playing for your country and, and it's, it's kind of a little bit uncommon for someone at that level of, of soccer yeah. to be also playing gas still Yeah I think um, it's something that I probably juggled quite well now um, I, football was obviously always my number one and I wouldn't even miss training probably to go play a gas match I don't know if that's a bad thing to say um, trained very little playing gas so I started to feel bad that it wasn't a training it uh, could I play but um, usually played in the championship matches and stuff like that and really enjoyed the change and, and the break and it was a it was a really good uh, to win that um, Wicklow championship as well so it's I think when you're younger though you just take it all in your stride and, and you just rock up and don't really overthink it and just play do you know as you get older I think you I definitely 100% wouldn't be able to, to play both sports now back to back but uh, my body probably wouldn't let me but um, something I probably will go back and play when when I probably finished playing football or something, it was a little bit of GAA. When you were at that age, were you better at GA or football or soccer? Yeah, I'd like to think soccer. Football. Yeah, I'd like to think football, but uh, I did enjoy playing Gaelic as well. Do you feel playing Gaelic helped your football? And if so, in what ways? Like we spoke to Jason Sherlock on the show last year, mm-hmm. Dub's legend and on coaching staff there now, and he was playing basketball, playing soccer, playing Gaelic. Like he was playing the League of Ireland. And also, and with the dubs, eventually you had to make a choice, but he said 100% every sport that was involved in, I think as well, the Kerry player, Kieran Don, he's still a top basketball player now, and they're sure that all of those sports help their kind of main mainstream sports. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think when you're younger, you should play as many sports as you can. Like, you just learn different skills like, and different attributes. Like, Gaelic's probably a little bit more physical. Soccer's probably a little bit more technical. And I think then they go hand in hand. I think it's probably easier to go playing from playing football to guy than it is go and play football but I think they all go hand in hand I did a bit of running when I was younger too so that helps me get up and down the line <laughs> Nice, nice uh, So a little bit about your time in England and there's you know an interesting part that you were in a hotel for a lot of the time as well and you know you're a dog but people listening don't know that they can hear it by your accents and you know lots of Irish people make the move across whether they be boys or girls at a young age to go and play in England and some live in digs some are old enough to rent the place but in your case you were in a hotel for a little bit of time and, and there was lots of a spare time with kind of nothing to do yeah, um, I think it is. It is difficult. It's, it's something that I really, um, I think, was really important for me to go over and do just for myself. And I know it was a great experience and one that I don't regret. But yeah, there's a lot of free time. I got involved in the bells in the community, so I'd go out and coach kids and schools and stuff like that just to to occupy my time. I did a bit of an online nutrition 
uh, course as well when I was there. There was other girls, there was a Swedish girl and a Canadian girl that uh, lived nearby as well. So we just um, went to the gym and went to the cinema and just tried to use our uh, time as productive, productive as we could. So you returned to Ireland and in 2013, P-Mount are playing against Wexford Youths in a Women's National League game and a certain Stephanie Roach scores <laughs> probably the best goal ever scored in women's football ever in the world, but certainly in Ireland. Yeah. It's thankfully nominated for the Puskas FIFA Goal of the Year Award. Finishes second as Ronaldo and Messi and all these people at the awards. I mean, a great photo of Stephanie walking in and Ronaldo and Messi in their, in their seats and she's sitting down beside him as well. I've seen the goal so many times. It has so many million views. But until I was doing some research, I never knew you provided the assist. Yeah. And uh, you've got none of the credit Steph has taken at all. I know, it was all about the assist, wasn't it? That bad cross. <laughs> I know, um now it was a really, really uh, momentous moment, I think, in women's football, in the world even, um, for Steph and, and that goal. I don't, can't see it being topped anytime soon, but uh, we'll, we'll wait and see if that happens. Yeah, because you, you, know, you know the ball arrives at Steph from someone on her team, yeah, but yeah. because the goal is so amazing, you rewind and you pause and you watch, you're like, what a goal, but you don't actually realise the yeah. build-up. Did you realise when the ball was on its way to her that she was going to do what she did, and what did you think when she did what she did? Yeah, I think we were all a bit in shock when uh, she did what she did. Sarah Lawler actually was playing centre forward with Steph. I was playing on the wing, just threw the ball in really quickly to me. So I just tried to play it into Steph and like unbelievable touches and, and a great finish. And we watched it up in the change room in Fairy Cag Park after. And I was like, Steph, you wait now till that goes viral and bang. And it did. At that time, were all of your games videoed? And was it lucky that the video happened to be there and that the, vi- uh, you know, at that level of football, there's only one camera and it's, you know, it's a, probably a cheap camera and it's a person doing it who maybe isn't a, f- a fully qualified video analyst or whatever. And sometimes they miss stuff and thank God whoever was doing the camera that day caught the goal. And I understand, was it someone from Wexford who recorded it? Yeah, so Wexford, and not all the games would have been recorded, so they would have been in Wexford. So I think we were probably lucky that we were in Wexford and um, that the, the, gig, the goal was recorded. Um, probably not unbelievable quality like you said but it was still you could still uh, see the goal clearly and, and how good it was so yeah very fortunate that we were down there in Wexford now all the games are um, recorded and, and they go up on a software system for all the coaches to view so that's progress yeah of course how much of an influence on you know women's football in the country and beyond did that goal have because there is still a battle on now for women's football to get the coverage yeah. that it should get but something like that going so viral and Steph being at you know, an, events or an event ceremony, an award ceremony, a worldwide ceremony, show to millions with the likes of Ronaldo and Messi sitting beside her was, was a massive thing for any footballer to do, but particularly an Irish footballer. Yeah, I think always more moments like that that are success are massive. Like the Irish hockey players, I'd say there's hundreds more girls participating in hockey now. Like Steph's goal, just to, just to get the interest in women's football, that women can play football. And maybe who knows how many girls went down to the local club that weekend. To, to play football and it's just great to see so many girls now involved and in, in all sports Across the time since it was scored in 2013 how many times has Stephanie Roach reminded you guys about it has she done it ever, you know, ever similar in training and it, it's obviously her claim to fame and it's a nice one but I'm sure that, you know, she's, she's used it quite a lot there was a little bit of banter flying around Yeah I think um, it'd be funny like uh, she probably would have done like really special things in training all the time and we would have been used to it, like maybe not that special but used to seeing it week in week out but uh, you know like if you didn't miss a goal an easy goal or something I'd be like Puskas <laughs> just messing with her but uh, now very technical and a very special player and I'm glad to see her back now on the pitch as well over in uh, Italy yeah, you're on there. That's what I call sport on 98 FM. It's Jamie Moore here at the Aviva Stadium at Anya O'Gorman, 100 cap Ireland player, and also still playing for P Mount here in the Continental Tires Women's National League for the uh, 500 Days to Go volunteer program launched by the FAI at the Aviva Stadium at the moment. 
on your across those 100 caps you got to see some amazing places around the world and around Europe and around Ireland as well what type of things would come to your mind if I asked you to tell me about the kind of interesting places and things and cultures and foods that you've seen across your time in World Cup qualifiers, Euro qualifiers and so on? Um, yeah, I don't know. We had one mad trip. We had to go to Russia and we had to go from Russia to Kazakhstan. Okay. And uh, we had like this bus across like these bockety roads. Um, so that was very, very, very interesting. <laughs> um, so that was probably the strangest place I've been to, but it was probably the traveling from Russia to Kazakhstan and getting this bus uh, along these bockety roads. So, uh, like, seeing some some amazing places. Um, we were in um, Montenegro, fabulous. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of the place we were in, but, like, I think we were kind of expecting it not to, to be so nice, but it was amazing. The hotel and the food was always uh, lovely. So, um, Montenegro was a good place, and Kazakhstan was probably the strangest place. Tell me more about Russia to Kazakhstan on a bockety road, on a bockety bus. Um, yeah, like, Russia was fine, um, plane sailing, I think it was just all the travelling, and, and obviously the airport wasn't really near where we were playing in Kazakhstan, so, uh, yeah, I remember just uh, a lot, a lot of travelling and a lot of bus time, and then not really knowing when you, what you're eating when you got there, but we got the results anyway, and we all uh, got home safely. Did you happen to meet uh, my favourite movie character ever, Borat? No, 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 and I think it was probably around the time that that film was out, so it was quite funny, like... Uh, <laughs> and was his stereotype of the area true to what you saw when you were there? Uh, Maybe a little bit, but uh, not not completely. And when you're on these trips, do you get to, as an Ireland footballer, like, see the place at all? Or is it just you land, you get in the bus, you go to the hotel, you train, you play, you go home? And have the managers over the years allowed you guys to maybe get out for, you know, to experience some of the culture, maybe go for a tour, as well as obviously focusing on what you're there to do? Um, yeah, no, it's not always do you get the time to, but I think here and there we get a half day. Like, we went into Moscow, I think we were in Russia after the game, just for a little walk around, it was freezing, but... That was nice. And most places we go, we would visit, visit the local town or village. And, and that's always nice, just to take in some of their culture and their heritage. I know we're reminiscing about your time with Ireland now. Do you miss it yet? And when, obviously, does, you know, the next campaign for the next Euro qualifier starts later this year? Ireland didn't make the, the World Cup this year, unfortunately. But when will you start to miss it? I know you'll do some media stuff around it, I'm sure. But maybe when the next qualifier is on or the pack tally, you'll be a little bit like... I wish I was out there. Yeah, do you know what? I don't miss it yet, but I think that's when it will, when the big the big games are on in Tallinn and the Euros and stuff like that. But uh, I've been busy now and I'm focusing on other things, starting my coaching badges, so hoping to finish them out this year. And then, yeah, hopefully I'll be doing a bit of media stuff just to, to distract me and take my mind off and enjoy my club football too, so that helps. Yeah, just finally on that, you're still playing for P-Man. You were, you were here in November time in the, the cup final, unfortunately lost to Wexford in that game in front of a, a, a nice crowd here before a court played Dundalk and another cold afternoon. You're coaching as well, as you mentioned as well. So you're still, you know, very heavily involved in football, even though you're not an international anymore. Yeah, yeah, still really, really busy. Uh, I think going to be one of them people that's always really busy, but I love it. I like being busy. And um, yeah, so we're looking forward to this season with P-Man and hopefully we can uh, do one better than last season. Do you want to manage in future? Is that something you've, you have an yeah, ambition to do? I think I'd love to give back to the game in whatever capacity I can. And so obviously just starting my coaching journey now and still still enjoying playing. So maybe when I when I can't play anymore, I'll, I'll take the, on them roles a bit more serious. And you'd have worked under Noel King, Sue Ronan and most recently Colin Bell. And I'm sure lots of, I know lots of club managers as well. And I read a, a thing recently, but I can't remember who it was, some footballer or other who became a coach. And it was Ian Morris, the new Shells head coach. And he was saying he was in England for 12 years and he was in Ireland. He used to have a notepad and he was actually physically taking notes of sessions and tips and stuff that managers would have said. Are you and have you always been a student of those managers and trying to pick different bits of them to add to kind of your own yeah. knowledge? Yeah, I think, so. I think you never stop learning. And it's in every game that you can take pieces of information from everybody. And 
maybe some deals, some don't, um, some things that you like, some things that maybe you didn't like as a player from a coach. So I think it's always good to have that player's point of view as a coach and, and a manager as well. So you know what, what keeps the players happy and stuff. So I think no matter how many coaches, it's like life in general, you, your experiences, um, you always take a little bit of them with you and, and hopefully they can, can add to you as a coach and a person too. What you're saying here is in 10 years' time, we're going to see you out there in that technical area, in your, in your suit as the manager of some team winning the FBI Cup. Yeah, so uh, that would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? So um, who knows? Uh, we can keep dreaming anyway. On your Gorman. Thanks, Emilia. Thank you. Cheers. 98 FMs. Now that's what I call sport. Get the full show every Sunday morning from 9, only on 98 FM.